two blokes talking tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. For the latest news and information about technology. It's fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two blokes talking tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two blokes talking tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. Episode 298. Thanks to the good people at Netgear. Um, Stephen Fennick from TechGuide.com.au. It's great to see you, mate. It's good to see you too, Trevor. You've just, you're in a muck lab. Thanks for just, fitting me just in. just come in from the airport. We were uh, tight schedules, but you were on time. Well done. You're on time today. You know what? Plane was an hour late getting in. Which, which compromised all of my time at home. So I've literally showered, <laughs> repacked. We're podcasting and you've got meetings. I'm off to yeah, the Gold Coast. So today, we'll cover yeah. the week in text as best we can. We Thanks to the good take people. We should opportunity to wish our wives a very happy Mother's Day, a very understanding wives yeah. a happy Mother's Day. Because yeah. what, they're listening? Oh, well, maybe. Yeah, we're just I gonna, wish my mum happy Mother's Day too because well, she'll, she'll work out what a podcast is one well, day. Yeah, our mothers, but also the mothers of our children. And, and all the mothers and listening. all the mothers who listen, absolutely. Happy days. Most, you know, most particularly. Every day should be Mother's Day, I reckon. Oh, what a suck-up. What have you done wrong this week? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. And to the wives of our loyal listeners who put up with this gibberish in the car. Yeah. Like that's – that's they're the people We love that, you too. Yeah, we yeah. love you too. Yeah, we, they, what they're doing in the passenger seat is they're moaning about having to listen to this crap do you, again, do you right? you listen to a podcast? If, if your partner's in the car, would you be – would you impose that on her to listen to a podcast that she might no, be interested in? No, that's why I'm not I'm, that she wouldn't. They wouldn't be interested correct. in the two blokes. I mean, hello, the but, two blokes. Yeah, that's right. But I, I always tend to listen to my podcasts alone. I'm suggesting, the, and I'd the, love to hear from people if there are. Is there anyone that is putting their wives through this <laughs> gibberish? I want to hear about it. Yeah, Ziggy Zaggy the hashtag. They deserve uh, they deserve a bunch of flowers at the very least for yeah. for their patience. Yeah. You boys need to buy your missus flowers from us. From us. That's right. Yeah. That's a good good point. Two blokes talking tech. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Stephen, um, it was about a year ago we had the uproar when Amazim went back to 28 days on their prepaid expiries, um, and it kind of shone a light on the industry of uh, of prepaid. There was already plenty of telcos running 28 days, very few running 30. Kogan, I think, is one of the one of the ones I top of mind for me that still runs 30 days. So. Quite a um, surprising announcement from Vodafone this week that they're, they're creating 35-day plans. So they've still got one 28-day plan, their $30 plan, but their $40 and $50 plans are now 35-day expiry, which yeah. in essence means $60 10 yeah. re- recharges a year. This if if you look at it by 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 365 days, you're paying 10 times a year. And, and you do the numbers, you – it's very hard to compare apples and apples now, it's but if you do the numbers, you're now saving literally $100 or more yeah. on just Vodafone's plans, let alone compared to someone like a Macy. I did a comparison of their nine gig plans and you're paying more per recharge for a Macy, yeah. but you're recharging three the, times three less. Times. Yeah, no, this is, this is going to really shake it up. I think it's going to put the, the blowtorch on the opposition and people are going to think – Customers are going to actually look at their own plans now and think, well, Helen, what, what am I paying? Like a lot of people think, well, 28 days, it's about a month. They, they don't do the math. Yeah. And now now that, that Vodafone has really made a point of saying, well, we've got 35-day recharges, 10 times a year, 
compared to a 30-day, which is 12 times a year, a 28-day, 13 times a year. A little bit cheeky, I think. Amazing went from 30 to 28 just a year ago. Mm. And... But at the same time, they offered more for what you get. So they offer a lot more data and a lot more value, but still they're, they're dipping into your wallet 13 times per year. But Vodafone now, I think, have put put a spotlight on this this whole thing. This is prepaid only, by the way, prepaid plans, So, which is a massive market in Australia. So you've got your own phone. But you want a prepaid SIM, then this is for the for that customer who is typically looking to save money anyway. And now this has given them an opportunity to do, to do save even more money. So let's talk about the overall market here. And I'm not going to take credit, but I think you and I have spent a long time banging on about people not being on contracts. You know, get a phone, buy a phone, go yeah. prepaid, go SIM only. The growth in SIM only in one year alone is 7% of the market. So it's gone from 7% of the market to 14%. Yeah. Um, prepaid um, has actually gone down a touch. It's 53%. So what's that? 53, 60, nearly 70% of the market is not on a contract. Yeah. I, I was a, I'm was, i a little bit staggered by that. I'm blown away because I just assumed that Australians were always on contracts, but actually no. Yeah, the think, huge yeah. majority of people are prepaid or SIM only. Well, it, it's, well we're a fertile market for that for that very thing. And I think what, what contributes to that is the fact that so many – Devices are now affordable. You look at what you can buy for four or five hundred bucks. You go and walk into JB Hi-Fi and have a look at the five by five. My God, devices that are that are under five hundred, under four hundred that are that are quality devices that uh, have big screens, have got all these features, well, good cameras. And I haven't spoken to them yet, but you know, remember I told you I I, I sent Rob, one of our loyal listeners, yeah, the, the uh, A seven, right? Yeah, now yeah. now after after a month, yeah. he was in love, loves it, great phone, yeah. but. Still, we'll go back to the iPhone when, when yeah. a new one comes out because of just that inherent loyalty, right? But then I said, radio challenge number two. And I sent in the Oppo A57, $328 phone. And do you know what? Straight out of the box, from the initial impressions I got from him, he thought it was better. Yeah. Now, yeah, he's missing Android Pay because it doesn't have NFC like the A7 yeah. does. But a $328 phone, so a bloke that's used to having an iPhone 6 mm-hmm. or, or 7, has come to a three hundred and twenty-eight dollar phone. You go, actually, this is not bad. Well, it does what it needs to do. It's got a good camera. You can run your apps. You can keep in touch. It's got good connectivity, Wi-Fi, everything you need. Uh, it's it's whether you want to drive the Rolls Royce or, or the the Holden. That that's the difference. And they basically do the same thing. And you were talking about how the the majority of people are, have got their own devices with a SIM. You'll find that when the new well, the Samsung Galaxy A came out, S eight plus the new iPhone when it comes out, they're the people that are going to probably go on a plan. They want the great, great new yeah. phone. They're not going to spend 1500 up front for that. They'll probably go on a plan. But yeah, some people might just, just, just buy it outright and, and in the long term will save money over yeah. two years. But not everyone's got a lazy $1,500 laying around. But for, for these, these customers who are looking at the prepaid plans, this new Vodafone plan, all the others, looking at these affordable devices – uh, it's it, you, you can save a fair bit of money nowadays. And with that 70% of people running on those uh, non-contract plans, it's interesting to see companies like Amazim, we'll talk about Vaya in a second. So Amazim have gone with a uh, a new data, um, data-only plan. So these are your kind of tablet um, or uh, mobile hotspot yeah. plans, 50 and 70 gigabyte plans. Yeah. So for people that really want to chew through the data or don't have a home connection or don't want a home yeah. connection, 50 and 70 gigabyte a month um, for your for your tablet, the, the with that. it's an excellent question, Stephen. But and but that's still twenty eight days 
uh, recharge. Oh, so totally. 50 and 70 gig, which could be... 70 gig, $80, 50 gig, $65 well, on a 28-day renewal. And that's that's on the Optus network, so using Optus yep. um, 4G. Um, yeah, that for, for a customer who doesn't use a lot of data, who doesn't really want the NBN or just thinks, you know what, I just got, I just want to, I'm not using Netflix. Someone who's a casual user, even 70 gigs, a lot of data for someone like that. Mm. But for someone who maybe can't connect connect to the NBN or cable, whatever they want to do, a very handy solution and the, something they can use anywhere because it's on a, it's yeah. you can put it in a tablet, do whatever you want. You can put that in a tablet, you put that on a little mobile hotspot, uh, 50, gig, 50 gigabytes for $65 a month sounds like, Outstanding value to me. I mean, you know, on your tablet or whatever, and then uh, and then Vaya as well. Vaya, yeah, they well, they've they like minutes after the Vodafone announcement, Vaya came forward with their new twelve month plans. They're calling them their winter offers. So basically, what they're doing is their their standard twelve month prices. 174, 240, 288, they've reduced them by up to 31%. So the discounted price is 120, 170, 204. I'm going to have all these on TechGod as well. The included data, though, 1 gig, 2 gig, and 3 gig. So let, let's look at the unlimited large, which is the, t- the top one, $204. That's for a year. That's one year's worth of phone mm. coverage, 3 gig of data per month. Uh, and unlimited calls and texts. For that itself is a pretty decent value for a casual phone user who doesn't want to pay too much for their plan. And again, as I said, I'm not suggesting that we've influenced the whole market, but I'm just really pleased to, to hear and see the numbers that so many people are looking at these offers because there's so much value in these things and there's so much money to be saved and flexibility that's created. Yeah, you know, totally. I think the idea of buying a phone, keeping the box, keeping the charger in the box, buying a second um, a charger from somewhere else, so you've got this thing that you can then resell six months, 12 months later, so you actually create a second-hand market for, for phones as well. Totally. You can actually upgrade your phone more regularly than you would on a contract if you go into a cheaper prepaid offer and you buy outright on the device. Well, you, you, that's a good point. Like for, for, say, someone who wants to buy the new iPhone or the Galaxy S8, they could have they could in, in eight months' time, a year's time, still sell that for a few hundred dollars. And that, A, a one-year-old S8, in, in a year from now, that's a $1,200 yeah, phone. That'll still be worth 700 bucks yeah, easy. If easily. you've kept the box and you put it in a UAG or a 360 or some sort of cover yeah, for the whole protect time, it, totally. protect it, it's a brand-new yeah. phone again. Because when you know, the talk goes off of that new phone uh, offer. New phone feeling. And, and they're doing exactly that. So as long yeah. as it's, it's in good condition, you're going to get a new phone on a contract, they're going to make money on the resale of that phone. So why not do that yourself? Like, uh, it's, And iPhones even retain their value even more, so that could offset the purchase of the new device. It could. So lots of opportunities and offers for people out there right now if you're in the prepaid space. And look, don't be don't be annoyed if you've committed to 12 months with a Kogan or a Vaya or someone in the last three or four months because in 12 months from now, it's going to be just as competitive. That's the great thing. And you'll notice too that how much data is on these plans now. Like the, the, You can get data plans on a phone, 20 gig of data. Like two years ago, that was unheard of. Yeah. The demands on our data – is remarkable, which leads us to our next topic. See, I'm saving you a sting here, yeah, mate. Leads us to our next topic about global roaming. Yeah. And we're still getting stung by global roaming fees. People, you're all suckers if you're not with Vodafone. They haven't. Yeah. Well, they haven't 
got the message that people just think, oh, I'm just going to flick on data roaming, I'll be right, and then they come home to a $1,000 bill. Mm. So the, the, the culprit here is not too many calls, too many messages, it is data. So there was a study done by our good mates at Finder, which you were very close to them. The, uh, the, the, they did reveal some figures to say that like nearly half a million Australians at one point or another open a bill that's five times more bigger than it should be because of the global roaming stings. So the, the message here is if you talk to your telco, and we're both Vodafone customers, we travel a fair bit. So Vodafone, I've said this before. I, I'm only still a Vodafone customer because yeah. I would switch and change just to test the other networks yeah. if I didn't travel so much. Me and too. the roaming is critical. Me too. I'm with you. So five bucks a day gets you your plan to use in more than 50 countries around the world. Bad news. There's no roaming in Taiwan. Is that right? Mm. Are you serious? Mm. I've just checked because we're both travelling to Taiwan oh on God. Sunday with HTC to check out some really cool stuff. Oh, there's no Vodafone roaming. Yeah, I'm right. going to be disconnected well, from the world. They're going to give us a SIM card apparently when we get there. Well, that's good. Yeah, apparently. But anyway, we... But, that, uh, but that's... That, see, this is... The, <coughs> and, and it sounds silly that we're talking about ourselves here, but this is the thing, right? Before we travel, we look, I look at the list and I go, okay, Turkey, Tonga, Thailand, Switzerland. No. Taiwan is not there, so I will not be on my, have data roaming enabled on my iPhone. Exactly. What I'll do is I will I will use Wi-Fi in the hotel on my current iPhone, so I get iMessages and things, and I'll take a second device, you know, maybe the S8 or something like that, and no, no, and and get this local <coughs> SIM card and yes. and use that for calls and things. Well, that's the thing. I think that's a good point. Buying a local SIM is the solution. That's the most popular choice. You get a lot of value. You can spend twenty, thirty bucks. You might get a gig a day or twenty gig, whatever it is, for the month or however long you happen to be there, you, yeah, you don't get your original number, but you can just give the number that you're given to loved ones if they want to contact you. Um, but Wi-Fi, I think, is the solution. Wi-Fi is everywhere when you travel, especially the US and Europe. Wi-Fi is everywhere. You can your get hotel it, you doesn't get have Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi, you're being ripped off. Uh, that's totally for sure. Right. And if they charge you for the Wi-Fi, I'd question that as well because traditionally it's free now. Yeah. Big shout out to the Holiday Inn in Salt Lake City whose Wi-Fi crashed at midnight on the night when I had to do a radio show at two thirty. You know what I did? You went, I went to, to the hotel, went to the hotel yeah, next door. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous how reliant we are on the internet. Right? They, they say, "What the hell are you doing here, mate?" No, I, I made the bloke at the reception ring them the next hotel and say, "Listen, I'm coming around. Tell them I need internet." Yeah, well, they were lovely, but don't they know who they were dealing with? Exactly. But um, let's be clear: Telstra and Optus have. Uh, roaming opportunities. You they can buy travel packs. packs. Yes. Um, uh, if you rank them, Vodafone's the best. Optus is second. They've got kind of ten dollars a day for like fifty meg. It's not amazing. Yeah. And and Telstra have travel packs. And when you're traveling, you should be getting text messages at fifty percent of your allowance, eighty five percent, and a hundred percent. You should not be exceeding your balance without warning and notice. Mm. But you've got to prepare in advance. If you if you can't get a good roaming pack with your carrier, uh, and or you don't have enough time on the ground to get a local sim, then go and get a travel sim. Uh, from Australia Post, they're not the most amazing thing in the world, but at least get your calls and you can get data. There's options. Just yeah. seriously, getting stung in this day and age is outrageous. But, e- but even people that realise that on the call front, if you receive a call overseas, you're paying for that. Hmm. And that like, if you're travelling with a family, say mum and dad and the kids, it'd be a good idea to get a SIM card each so you can contact each other, stay in touch. Because even if you're standing next to each other in the hotel lobby – ringing each other on your Aussie numbers, it's still going to cost you a bomb. Even though you're standing back-to-back in the hotel lobby, it's still going to cost you a lot of money. And let's be clear, and again, it's not an ad for Vodafone, but this is, again, why Vodafones are so amazing. When you do that, 
it's it is free. So your unlimited calls and texts to your son and daughter who are standing next to you is still free overseas mm. because in the country you're in, you get those local unlimited calls okay, so as well as back to Australia. So, so you roam uh, like you're at home. We, you and I can ring each other in the US, and it's just like making a local US call. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good tip for if you are travelling. Two blokes talking tips. This is this is one of the most off the calls we get most often on the radio and on email. People ask, "Look, I'm travelling. What do I do?" I've written about it on Tech Guide, but we've just given you all the tips now. Take note of them. It's going to save you hundreds of dollars. Hundreds of dollars saved. Now, you already know about Arlo by Netgear, the worldwide leader in smart home security and creator of the world's first 100% wire-free, weatherproof HD security camera. Now get to know the new Arlo Pro. Even more features, including two-way audio that allows you to talk to your kids, pets, or whoever's at the front door right from your smartphone. Arlo Pro has a quick charge, rechargeable batteries, night vision, and live on-demand streaming. And yes, it's still 100% wire-free and weatherproof. So you can easily monitor your entire property inside and out. Arlo Pro takes just a few minutes to set up and you can check in on your home or business from anywhere using the free Arlo app on your phone, tablet, or computer. Know what's happening in real time with advanced motion detection and never miss a moment with free cloud recording for seven days. Visit Arlo.com com slash au for more info arlo and the new arlo pro by netgear every angle covered oh it's me good <laughs> look the sheet's there for a reason mate well, you know mate look at this i went to the trouble of writing a little t next to that little thing there that means trevor t equals trevor Thanks, right. Stephen. Okay, good to know my name starts with a T. <laughs> There's a big event happening in just four weeks. I was a bit blown away. I was thinking about this at some less point. Less than I, four weeks. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's yeah. like less than four weeks. WWDC is uh, taking place. This is Apple's annual developers conference. It's been going for many, many decades years. now. 28. Yeah, coming up to 30 years. And um, Worldwide Developers Conference, uh, shortened to WWDC 17, uh, c- takes place or kicks off on June the 5th, and that's the day when Tim Cook will stand on stage and open the event with a keynote. And after that, all the developers, including scholarship winners here in Australia and a bunch of people in Australia who have uh, have applied for and, and won the, the ballot to pay for tickets to go and they're you know, flying themselves over there, they get the chance to spend... Um, uh, a session after session with smart engineers from Apple telling them how the most intricate things in the operating system work and learn how to make better apps. But the most important thing out of the week really for most people is the is the keynote from keynote, Tim Cook yeah. and he'll bring on stage all of his execs. He'll get up and he'll say, we're doing very well. He'll say, we're beating Android this way. Android's no good as us in this way and our penetration of the latest iOS is, is this high and theirs is that low. Because it's a developer conference, that'll definitely happen. He'll talk about how much money they've paid developers and how much, how many apps there are in the App Store. But then they'll talk about the new operating systems for Mac, Watch, and iOS. Yep. Um, they'll do all those things. We can, we can, we can write that book right now. What we don't know is what else they'll talk about. What but else? we've been speculating for months now that they will almost certainly have to announce at least a, a concept design for a new iPhone, if not show it, if they're going to get rid of the home button. Because if you get rid of the home button, the app developers need to know how to handle that. Yeah. They can't do that with one week's notice. They need months. So that's why we think that they're going to announce a phone yeah, there. They won't, they won't exactly just say, here it is and here's everything it does. They'll give a little hint about this, a little hint about that, maybe show a corner of it. So they'll be very cryptic with it. 
but I think, like you said, it's going to be important to give those developers notice of any significant changes, which is likely to be the disappearance of the physical home button. Yeah, which is uh, also the movement of the fingerprint scanner. Yeah. Now, whether they do get it underneath the screen or they put it on the back where we speculated, think about, and the reason app developers need to know this, think about an, uh, a bank app, and they might have a page-by-page a, a page wizard that shows you how to use the fingerprint scanner. At the very least, they have to update those instructions yeah. so that on a particular device it shows different instructions. These are the simple things that have to happen for an app developer to, to work with those kind of changes. But the other speculation that's quite strong now is that Apple's going to enter this home personal assistant market that Google's in with Google Home, uh, Amazon's in with Alexa, and you'd have to say that's the, the market leader in yeah. America right now. Um, it's, a big, it's a big deal. They're, they've put a lot of effort into Siri over the years. I don't think Siri is as good as she could be. I don't think she's in the top two personal assistants on the market. But if they have done work to improve Siri, then now's the time to bring it to market as a device in your home. Yeah, totally. And if the, if the rumours, there's been plenty of rumours about the smart speaker, the Siri speaker that, like the Alexa, is, for those who don't under, know what Alexa is, it's a like a cylindrical speaker where you, you talk to it. It's connected to your network. And you can say, hi, Alexa, play me Billy Joel, or hi, Alexa, do I need an umbrella? And it goes out and gets you that information and brings it back. So it's like this smart home assistant. Um, a lot of other third-party companies uh, like Samsung and LG and other uh, uh, manufacturers are using Alexa in the heart of their appliances because um, a lot of a lot of these smart appliances are going to be uh, activated in the same way where you talk to it and the Alexa – uh, platform will power that new system. Yeah. So along comes Apple, we assume, with this new smart speaker and smart platform that can take it off the iPhone and into this other product and with the possibility of it being included in other devices as well. There may be partnerships that they're probably working on right now without telling anybody that come WWDC, they say, right, well, we're going to partner with Samsung. Well, maybe not Samsung, but we're going to partner with this company and that company and this car company and this other company yeah. because it could extend to the car as well, That whole, the, the whole smarts of the system. Yeah. I think there's a play in the car space as well. I think the the – the most underutilized, underrated feature of the iOS Apple ecosystem today is HomeKit. And I think some of the stuff that I have at home, that I've been testing at home, is starting to show me some real growth in this space. I think it's taken a while. And we're talking 18 months or more for things like D-Link to come out with the Omna. You know, yeah. cameras like that, devices like that, Eve sensors, whatever they are, they, they've really changed the way um, you can in interact with your home. And if you compare it to like a Belkin Wemo of three years ago, it's 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 a hundred lengths ahead these days. Mm -hmm. So I think their big advantage is actually going to be that Siri Home, this little device, yeah. is going to be able to control much more of your home. Unfortunately for them, they will they they'll hang their hat on this. They'll they'll, they'll demonstrate this Siri smart home stuff. But the problem is the smart home stuff hasn't really hit penetration yet. So it's a bit of chicken and egg stuff. Um, and, and I think this is one of those spaces Apple needs to keep pushing in. Just well, keep going, keep pushing. But I think a company like Apple, uh, we've said it in the past, whenever they do something, the market responds and customers respond. But no, but what I'm saying is HomeKit was announced like, I'm going to say three years ago. It was, but, but it's taken iPhone, a long... You had to have an iPhone and you had to be already in the family to run it. Mate, there's no way a Siri speaker is going to be able to be 
controlling a smart home devices without an iPhone without in the house because you've got to, you've got to set it up somehow, without right? A device somehow. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So, so I think I think this is still ahead. We're still ahead of the time. I think in five years from now we'll look back at HomeKit announcement, Siri Home yeah, announcement, totally and those kind of things as being really important steps towards where we're going. But I think we're still a long way off. So them announcing Siri Home feels yeah. feels. Right, timely wise. Yeah. Um, I we think don't it's, know whether that's going to be called Siri Home either. We don't no. know what it's going to be called. <laughs> it could be bloody anything. Could but, be, yeah. yeah. But, but I think it's the smartest thing to call it right now. But yeah. look, I think I think what we we would probably put a lot of not maybe not our houses, but we'd probably put a fair bet on WWDC is going to be much more than just software. Absolutely right. And, and well, you, you think of Siri, and it, it is obviously software driven. And the the application to the home is also another big area. And like Apple have done in the past, they enter the market, they show how easy stuff can be, and then the market flourishes. Yep. Like, the, the great example is what they did with the iPod. Remember years ago when there were MP3 players, they were big and bulky and ugly, and then Apple goes, well, you know what, this is how we can do it. And then the, the, the world responded. Yeah. I think that they're on the cusp of doing that with home automation, uh, because of the simplicity they're going to offer, the ease in which companies can be HomeKit branded and onboard their products, the ease at which the customer ultimately can then control everything from one place rather than seven different apps, yeah. which sort of brings us to the next our next topic about the growth in the Internet of Things industry. For those who don't understand that term, Internet of Things is basically a, a term where products talk to the Internet, they talk to each other, and they can be monitored. Uh, and, and there were some figures released All the by HomeKit stuff I just talked about. It's Internet of Things. Absolutely, These are the devices. Yeah. In fact, Siri Home would be a yep. component of the Internet yep. of Things. But it, it, interesting that where this, uh, the research firm Telsite, they're saying that we're really going to enter a boom phase of smart home automation because of these products, Alexa, Siri, and the uh, the improvements in the smartphones, and also the devices, and also our Wi-Fi. Our Wi-Fi is a lot stronger now. People are people have improved their networks. They want to watch better Netflix, so they're going to get better Wi-Fi networks. That is all building up to a perfect storm of factors where the industry is going to absolutely explode within the next few years. We're talking by 2021, which is only four years away. They, they say that in Australia alone, it's going to be nearly worth $5 billion, this industry, the Internet of Things industry. And the what's going to help increase that is the adoption of these these products, the Siri Home, Alexa, mm. uh, the cloud-based machine learning, where the, these products are kind of going to be a little bit like that, where they're going to possibly learn your habits, learn that, okay, at 8.30, Trevor likes to have his porridge, and at 9.30, Steve loves his bacon and eggs. And at, we reverse uh, that, buddy? You well, gave the porridge all the bacon and eggs? Well, you know what I mean. Like, it, it's... The, the things Smash that we and do bacon every and eggs day. Right <laughs> oh, you're too late, mate. I've already cooked it. Too late. But, um, yeah, no, I think you're going to see these little factors that are going to build up to uh, us having even more devices connected to the internet. Like at the moment, on average, this is what Telsite's research says, on average the uh, an Australian home has 13.7 devices connected to the internet. What's yours? I've got probably 40. But yeah, mine, every you, time you, I log on, it's there. 40. There's a stack up there. But they're saying that by 2021, that 13.7 figure is going to jump up to 30.7, so more than double mm-hmm. in the next four to five years, yeah. hence the reason why this market's going to explode and it's going to be worth, uh, as I said, I think the exact figure that they put on was, for estimated figure was $4.7 billion. And That's just in Australia. That's not worldwide. That's just here. So you can just imagine what it's going to be worth around the world. You can read those stats at techguide.com.au. Stephen, have you ever slept through a major news story? 
uh, plenty of times. Yeah, I slept through this one. But that's because I was on the other side of the world, so it didn't affect me as much. But, geez, Facebook was down here in Australia, mate, for a half hour. How did you cope? It was. I think there was panic in the streets. It was like it was like a zombie, end of the world zombie film. <laughs> what do they call it? Apocalypse. Apocalypse, that's right. But it was. Uh, it's a very – look, the, the reason we're talking about this is because it's very, very unusual for Facebook to be down. Facebook is never down. Yeah. And the fact that we're thinking, hang on, half an hour, there's no Facebook, that's an outrage. Well, let me put that in context, that's right? That's revenue. See, when a TV station goes off air for half an hour, there's no ads played. When radio station, there's no. When Facebook goes off air for an hour, there's no ads clicked or shown. So it's it's they revenue for them. them. It would have cost them like a hundred million dollars, probably. Yeah. Hey? <laughs> for sure. I didn't think of it that way. No, th- this is the thing, yeah, right? Yeah. Forget your bloody food not being a picture being uploaded. Forget your status whinging about you know some lefty bloody thing not not being accepted on on Facebook and no one clicking like. Facebook lost a bunch of cash. They did. Well, no wonder they want to have their the the, the site up twenty four seven. Apparently, it, it went down in the. It was sort of Australia and the South yeah, Pacific. Pacific. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit, a little bit up to, up so towards it was, Asia. It was like quarter past eleven on Tuesday morning. It, it was it was down. Like I was actually. What day is it today? It's Thursday today. I was actually trying to upload Genuine a question, story. By the way. <laughs> I was trying to upload a story for a, a tech guide story to Facebook, and I'm thinking, "Hang on, it says sorry, something's wrong." I said, "What? This isn't this isn't right. Facebook normally works." <laughs> <laughs> so I think about yeah, half an hour later. To put it in it context, right? You remember when Twitter first launched, two thousand seven, eight? It was a lot of the fail whale, and they had yeah. that kind of. They had a couple of years where that just always happened. Yeah. I don't remember that happening to Facebook Me much either. at all. Me neither. And I took a. Sc- I thought it was so rare. I took a screenshot. Where it said, "Sorry, something went wrong. We're working on it. We'll get back. We we'll get it fixed as soon as we can." And I'm thinking, "What? That that never happens." And and the, the naturally, uh, the next area where people can panic and 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 create some funny memes was on Twitter. Yep. And that's exactly what they did. So uh, there, there was a lot of funny tweets that were hitting out where Facebook's down. I think hashtag Facebook is down. Facebook down trended was trending within minutes. Uh, where people well, that's were easy. Venting their G- anger given there's, there's there's one one hundredth of the people on Twitter, it doesn't take much for, for something to trend. There you have it. Well, Facebook went down and came back up again. Yes. Now, Stephen, the other thing I noticed uh, you wrote about, I, I looked at this list. Um, I didn't write about it yet, but I was a bit, I get miffed that uh, Sydney or Australia didn't make it higher up the list of yeah. the world's most Instagram tourist attractions. Can you believe it? This is like a, a, a I'm filthy actually. A travel, this is a travel agency. It was a smart story. This online travel agency from the Netherlands actually took the trouble to look into the Instagram API and poll all of the hashtags and relate them, link them back to various tourist attractions and work out the most Instagrammed tourist attractions around the world. And Drum roll. Interesting that uh, number one was Disneyland in Anaheim. So that, that was the number one most Instagrammed dis- destination. They worked out there were more than 14.6 million tags for those photos. Uh, number two was the Eiffel Tower with 7.2 million tags. And then Walt Disney World... Uh, in Florida was number three with 5.4. My favourite place on earth, Las Vegas, number six. That was number six. But Australia had one entry in a list of 470 tourist attractions. Australia had one. That's BS, mate. It was number 41. And have a guess which one it was. Harbour Bridge. The Sydney Opera House. It's a G up, mate. This data is wrong. Sydney Opera House. And... 
I'm it, calling for a recount. It's a, it, I, I, and not, I looked through the list a few times. I'm thinking, there's surely there's got to be more places in Australia where, like Bondi Beach, would have been one. That's a popular tourist attraction. There wasn't one other place in Australia in the list of 470. They put out the list of the top destinations worldwide, as well as the top destinations in the US. And uh, well, Disneyland took one and three, you could say, because Walt Disney World. The Berlin Wall was number five. How's the Berlin the Wall getting more Wall. than the bloody or, Harbour Bridge? Or what's left of the Berlin Wall. Yeah. Um, Big Ben in London was number seven. Times Square, number eight in New York. Um, Mardi Gras in Louisiana, in New Orleans, was 11. So, in uh, Waikiki, uh, number 15. The Grand Canyon, number 14. And back down in number 41 is the Sydney Opera House. Bloody outrage. Lift your game, Sydney. Lift your game, Australia. Uh, Stephen, um, your minute reviews this week, um, I haven't even looked at them. What are they? <laughs> <laughs> Love the amount of research that goes well, into the show. No, listen, I'll be, I'm, I'm greatly appreciative of you, <laughs> A, fitting me into the very tight schedule, and B, spending the time on the rundown before I even got I here. Wrote so, the rundown without even talking to you about it. I said, this is what we're going to talk about. You know about. how we normally have a discussion whether we should publish our pre show? There wasn't a, no pre show. <laughs> it was straight into it, yeah. It's like, Steve, was well the, Steve was putting the bins out. That's as much pre show as we had. <laughs> Actually, bringing the bins in, I was bringing them in. Oh, what if? Like, anyway, <laughs> oh, God, number one, number one product we're going to talk about on the review. Views is the Zeus, the Zeus, so you want to pronounce that? What the hell is this? Smart car charger. Have you seen this? Zeus. This is a remarkable product. Okay, it's a car charger, number one. So you can charge your mobile devices twice as fast as a regular car charger. It's got reversible USB ports, so you're not going to get annoyed that you put the little USB cable in the wrong way. There's a lot of their illuminated ports as well, so it's very easy to dodge them in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the car. Yeah. It's also can test your car battery health. Because it's connected to your batteries, your car's electric electrical system can tell you the health of your battery. So we can detect when the voltage of your battery is slowly decreasing to help you head off a flat battery. So it gives you every day a little car a battery health report. Mm-hmm. But that's not even scratching the surface of what this thing can do. It's got GPS built in as well, so it knows what? the location of your car. So if you park somewhere, you can lo- you can if you sim card if you forget no 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 sim card it just works got GPS it's got a sensor in it can is is also linked to your it pairs with your smartphone, so you can then know the location of your car. Oh. So you park somewhere and you think, hey, where do I park? And then you can either look at it on a map or with uh, just an arrow and a distance measurement. Uh, it also has, and anyone who's ever had to keep a logbook will attest to this, how annoying it is. It's a pain in the butt trying to keep a logbook. So for anyone who drives a leased car or a company car, you've got to write down the odometer, reason for trip, or the end odometer, anything else, it's a pain. Mm -hmm. This keeps your logbook for you. It will list all your trips, time that your trip was made, the distance you travelled, how much you've spent in fuel. It can also have areas where you can add parking fees, tolls, whether it's a business trip, a personal trip, and it will keep these for you. And every week emails you that list uh, as your logbook. So the the Zeus Smart Car Charger, it's only $69.95. It's going to be available 
at Harvey Norman Officeworks and David Jones. There will be also a companion device called the the smart tyre safety monitor. So you, you, you take off your, your valve caps, replace them with these new smart caps, and it can tell you the tyre pressure on every tyre through the app. So you can tell whether one tyre needs pumping. So that, that saves you fuel. If, you, you, if you're running on flat tyres, you use mm. more fuel. You can also see if you've over-pumped a tyre, so it'll help you avoid a blowout as well. So $69.95 is for the car charger, but those new tyre safety monitors are coming in the next few weeks. Cracker, check it out at techguide.com.au. And uh, last but not least, the Fitbit Alta HR. Cracking little product, really. It is. Little being the operative word. It is very small. I'm wearing it right now, and it outwardly looks exactly like the previous model of the Alta with one little difference. It now has a heart rate monitor, so it's now one of the world's thinnest bands with a heart rate, wrist-based heart rate monitor. And... Having that heart rate monitor allows it to 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 collect that data a little bit better. So your exercise data, for example, can not only give you your calories and distance and all of that, but also tell you how what heart rate zone you're in, where you're in a cardio zone, fat burning zone. So it gives you all this added layer of information. Same thing applies to to like because it measures your heart rate twenty four seven. So it gives you not only your heart rate when you're exercising, but also your resting heart rate, which is a great sort of cardiovascular measurement of your health. Also, too, on the sleep side, it's gone way deeper into the whole sleep uh, sleep monitoring where it can give you, using your heart rate monitor and just using, obviously, the sensors on board, how well you slept, how much deep sleep you've had, light sleep, REM sleep. Uh, it can also give you, obviously, all your the uh, suggestions on the best times for you to go to bed. Monitors p- puts your stats against someone your age and gender as well to see how you're comparing and then can even give you a friendly reminder, say, you know what, if you want a good night's sleep, maybe should go to bed now and you'll get a full seven and a half, eight hours, whatever you want to do. What would mind you say, hey, fatso, go for a walk? <laughs> well, it does give you hourly movement reminders as well, like the old model, but it is it is really the heart rate inclusion has really lifted this up to, to be a much better product than the previous. The previous was great because it was a set and forget product. There are no controls on the, on the band. All you do is look at stuff. It's the app where you make your changes, but this knows when you've gone for a walk. It knows if you're in the middle of a run. It knows if you're in the gym, you're doing a cardio session, whatever you're doing. Remember Jawbone? I do. They're distant memory. It's just a memory now. memory. But the Fitbit Alter HR, I've got a full review on Tech Guide. It's $249.95. Two blokes talking tech. You can check those reviews out at techguide.com.au. Stephen, uh, that's a wrap of episode 298. Uh, 299 would be our next episode. And after that, I think we're going to hit 300. 300, yeah. Well, that's uh, 298. Next one is 299. So good math, Trev. 300. Absolutely right. Well, next week we're going to be in Taiwan, so we're going to do the yeah. The we'll do we'll do the Taiwan show from there. I think we'll have we'll a on the plane on the way home. Or it's a great idea. <laughs> just a suggestion. We'll certainly talk about what we see there, and uh, and then we uh, we've had just still the one invite to, to lunch. Thanks very much, everyone, for your overwhelming support. Um, <laughs> but to Angus at LG, we look forward to lunch, and um, yes. we'll we'll have a I'll smash a steak and chips there. Don't Absolutely. worry about that. Absolutely. Well, just just to just to tell everyone that the lunch requirement had to they had to serve steak and or chips at this place for Trevor to have his approval. Well, would be the point of going to a joint that had a lobster and I only and I'm just going to sit there and go yeah cheers I'll, good. I'll have Maccas on the way home all good well uh, we'll be in the Coogee area in a couple of weeks so Ooh. hopefully we won't get mobbed by fans oh big chance <laughs> two bikes talking tech uh, thanks to the good people at Nikki. we'll be back again next week uh, most likely live from Taiwan two blokes talking tech you're listening to two blokes talking tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick.